You know, Keith, the world we came from being GMs uh, is shrinking. Uh, You know, GMs, market managers, VPs of whatever, whatever you want to call them, they seem to be fewer and fewer doing more and more. Broadcasters have an opportunity, Keith, an opportunity. And we think that Gordon Burrell pointing out this opportunity has skipped a cock. I, I, I don't know what the hell he's thinking about because this is nuts. So we'll talk about that. And we may even talk a little bit about OTT chewing into television stations' revenue. Those are some of the things we have on tap this morning for Media Insultant. Good morning and welcome to our Friday episode. This is where we kind of talk about our opinions, ideas, and uh, snarky ideas and comments, and even occasionally say some offensive things to people. (laughs) So we hope to benefit the radio and TV sales and marketing professionals, management professionals in the business. I'm Jackson Weaver in the Pacific Northwest. Keith Samuels, he's next to me, my co-host. He's down in L.A. Thanks to the magic of mirrors from L.A. We get to watch him now. Good morning, Jackson. Always great to see you. Thanks, Keith. Nice to be here. All right, we do this each Tuesday and Friday, as most of you know. So we do welcome you to the Friday, November 4th episode of Media Insultant. Keith, we got some updated info on who's going to be at Forecast next month, or this month now. It's coming. It's right right around the corner. It's the 15th at the Harvard Club in New York City. Not going to go into a lot of it. I just wanted to, they can keep adding to the agenda, and we kind of are keeping an eye on it. A lot of luminaries that are going to be here. To oh, tell me, oh, tell me who's going to be there besides you, Jackson Weaver. Well, you're right. After me, it gets a lo- the list gets a little short. <laughs> No, Jeff Smulgin's going to be there talking about his new book. Uh, Dan Mason used to run CBS Radio. Carolyn Beasley, she's going to be there, and I'm sure she's going to be on the hot seat in light of her stock price. Uh, Everybody knows Rick Ducey. He's going to be there from BIA. Erica Farber, Randy Michaels, who used to run Clear Channel. He's always as entertaining as you can imagine. And the topics are going to range from everything from sports betting to radio in the media mix to what the outlook looks like for 2023. One of the speakers is a guy by the name of Gordon Burrell, and most people in the business have heard of him, if not familiar with his Burrell Associates, which really has been a leader in integrating digital and and broadcasting data. I think he's blowing it. In a recent point he made at an NAB convention in New York City, he says broadcasters have an opportunity for with the elimination of third-party cookies. And I just think he's crazy. So let's, really? let's well, talk what, about what, this. Why does, why does he think that eliminating third-party cookies is going to be good for for local broadcasters? Well, let's let's look at what third-party cookies are or third-party data is. It's, it's really the lifeline for Facebook and any programmatic buying, Google, anybody. And these are cookies that track users. And they gather data from all kinds of sources on your computer as you move or your phone as you move around. Data from apps, data from the websites you visit, data from the podcasts you listen to. All of this data is accumulated with thir- and, and is considered a third-party cookie. So you go to a website and you click on the website and it's reported to Facebook. Okay, that's third-party. The website doesn't have isn't any – you don't have any relationship with Facebook in that transaction, just the website. Right. So, so if I'm shopping for a new sport coat on brooksbrothers.com and then I go over to Facebook later that afternoon to uh, like uh, see what else is because I've got a FOMO, you know, I'm fearing I'm missing out on somebody's trip to Italy. And all of a sudden I start seeing 
Brooks Brothers ads, does that mean they're tracking my butt all over the internet? Okay, got it. Yeah, you got it. That's that's exactly it. And so that that has been what has provided the economics behind the uh, targeting that has been so efficient for digital media. But two things have happened. The first is that basically cookies are going to go away. And they said at the end of this year, probably not until next year, but they're not going to do cookies anymore. Google has vowed they're going to find another way to track your ass. <laughs> yeah, and, well, and, and there are skeptics that that will ever happen. There are go skeptics. ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, and, <laughs> and then, of course, the other thing that's really killed them is Apple has refused to let – or given – users the opportunity to opt out and about 90 percent of them do opt out of sharing data between apps used to be huge you could you know that's why the apps were all free because they were selling the data i don't know everybody wondered how they're going to do this for free and that's the magic that's the magic so what gordon burrell does is he comes along and says gee keith as a broadcaster, you just need to de- generate more first-party data. Now, first-party data for most radio stations or TV stations is when somebody signs up for a newsletter or they sign, do they enter their contest or they give you their text number. So that's first-party data. And, and, you know, if you want an email from Brooks Brothers, you sign up for their, their specials, and that's first-party data. It's the most valuable, it's the most consistent, and it has the least amount of, of controversy. Around. So is Gordon saying that we should collect this as we continue to collect this data, collect more of it, and then also at the end of the day go sell that access to advertisers? Yeah, it, it, it's, it, at some point that's exactly what he's saying because first-party data is the most reliable and has the least amount of controversy. If you've agreed to sign up for the Brooks Brothers newsletter, you've agreed to messages from Brooks Brothers. and probably yeah, but, if I, the- but if I entered a contest at KISS FM... Am I am I knowingly agreeing that they're going to sell my sell who I am and track my track all my stuff on Kiss and sell it to somebody? Do I really think that, or am I just want the two concert tickets? You you want the concert tickets and you don't read the fine print, and and each of them are different. So I can't say that that that's the way all of them is. But the thing that Burrell says is is if we don't get this first party data, the business is going to lose a couple of billion dollars in revenue. Not quite sure where he got that figure, but. The thing is, is that he's very vague about tactics for developing for more first-party data. I mean, we do contesting and we do emails and we do those kind of things. But, you know, that, that's really hard. It's harder and harder to put together that first-party data base. It really is. And, you know, here's, here's the thing. At the end of the day, you're running a station. You're scrambling to stay on top of billing, right, or just keep it going. You're hire, having a hard time hiring competent staff. You're trying to keep your digital presence at least viable in a working fashion, and Burrell's suggesting you go out and create your own first-party database. I know. Do you want them to shoot you now, or do you want them to shoot you later? I, it's just, I, I just don't know what he's thinking. Because there is, you know, I, unless he's got something, and I'm going to ask him when I see him in New York in a couple of weeks, what yeah. the hell do you think guys are doing at radio stations? You know, I mean, he's right. It's great to be, have a bunch of first-level data, but it, how do you do it? So we'll yeah. see what he says. Well, I look forward to that. And as a as the sales manager of a station who started the first one of the first database marketing campaigns ever at KMPS, and we started our loyal listener club and stopped we stopped subscribing to Arbitron now Nielsen, and we started up a loyal listener club, and that was going to replace that. We were it was first party data. We were going to communicate directly with our most loyal listeners all the time, and yeah. It was fine, and it was fun, and we had 
membership cards and we had the database and it was all really great but it wasn't enough to satisfy the advertisers who said no we just want we just want to make sure we're hitting your you know hundreds of thousands of listeners all the time with our spots and thanks for tying us into the listener club but but this goes back to the subject of bob hoffman's newest book that just came out called ad scam and it, and it basically talks about how this culture of tracking internet usage so that we can market and 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 send you know direct messages to you or target advertising to you has become uh, basic crime ridden in the fact that they're tracking us it's become surveillance marketing and the marketplace those of us that are consumers hate it we hate being tracked you know they, they thought we'd love being tracked but we hate being tracked so you know just this whole idea of data tracking and online uh activity tracking is really becoming very repulsive and i think you know just just the the info oh no we have to do a better job at it is like no that's not solving the problem yeah i think uh, i think you're you're absolutely on track with that and you know i don't know what the next phase on this is but you're you're right people don't like to be tracked uh, facebook uses the well we're helping small business target individuals target the right people well you know how much more targeting than you do you need than zip code and maybe some basic male-female kind of demographics. You know, you do not need to know that you were on Brooks Brothers' website last week. And, right, you know, we've, right. all, we've all experienced that. Uh, I'm going to ask you, because there there's some real interesting changes happening on the personnel side of the radio business. When is less more? When is less the same? When is more less? So, or more or less, something like that. Yeah. Or, uh, very true. No, you know, in well, our business, more is never less. <laughs> well, you, you know, over the last several months, I've made a big deal about the Odyssey way. And that is where if you're an on-air personality at an Odyssey-owned radio station and you're not working three or four different shifts on three or four different radio stations around the country, then you're not uh, a team player, clearly. So in this case, we're seeing this now move from on air to management of stations. And just last week, there were uh, the last couple of weeks, there's been a couple of, of moves that caught my attention that went, hmm, you know, kind of kind of makes you go, hmm. And that was where SBS, uh, as market manager in New York City, Mayor Mason, was granted, she was gifted the management marketing, the market manager job over their Chicago station. It was like, okay, because you know, obviously, Mayor didn't have enough to do running the uh, SBS stations in New York. She had to get Chicago, which is one station for SBS. And so I think SBS is probably thinking, why the hell do we have a market manager in Chicago for one station when Mayor, who we love in New York, can replace this guy, Carlos A. San Jose in Chicago? So he's history. And Mayor gets to, sh- to schlep back and forth between uh, LaGuardia and O'Hare and covering that market. So um, again, they'll save some money. They'll give Mayor a little bit more money. And now she's got two stations to over or two markets to oversee. And the same thing happened with Summit Media, another mid-sized radio group where they, they uh, the market manager in Richmond for Summit, which used to be a Cox station or Cox cluster uh, before they sold the Summit, the market manager retired. And now they've replaced him with not from within in terms of the cluster, but now Todd Johnson, who's their Wichita manager, gets to oversee Richmond as well. Now, I can't think of two markets that have more in common than Wichita, Kansas, and Richmond, Virginia. But that being aside, the point is, is that 
wait a minute, we've got these big jobs, the highest paying jobs in a radio station cluster are the market manager, market president, general manager jobs, right? So if you've got a guy that retires at the top of the, of the pay structure and you replace him with a guy out of Wichita that's going to cover the market too, you're not going to pay that guy double. They're not paying Todd Johnson double. They're probably paying him about a third more. But hey, Todd, you're a team player. Arr, you know, come on, you can do it. And he's thinking, "Wow, I, that's that, that's a great opportunity. I mean, I got a, I'm, I'm getting a, a big job here now." But the fact of the matter is, is that the market manager job, as you and I have described, has changed significantly over the last couple of decades, and it's now become more of a director of sales kind of job. And now it's become kind of a regional sales leadership kind of job. So you go in, and you're basically coming in as a as the, as the head sales guy in each of these markets and certainly mayor whose in, almost entire background is sales in new york and she's worked for damn near everybody in new york great reputation among the agencies i'm sure so we're thinking in, in sbs is like well if most of our business is coming out of new york you know mayor's our gal she'll get those buys for chicago she'll get the she'll get those buyers to throw chicago in on the buy no problemo you know and the same thing, I'm sure, with, with this. Todd's coming in. He's probably a great leadership guy, going to run sales and programming. All the other management stuff is back-end, but done by corporate. Yeah, well, you see the same thing in TV. You were talking about uh, Fox having brought in a new manager at KTTV in, in Los Angeles. Well, yeah. And, 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 and that, you know, <laughs> this was the interesting thing, is that Steve Carlston was the general manager of KNBC, the NBC O&O TV station in L.A., Pretty big station. There was another manager that oversaw the NBC-owned Telemundo Spanish-language TV station. They fired Steve and the woman who ran the Telemundo station and brought a guy in from San Diego to run both. So now he runs both. Two people out of a job, one guy gets the gig. Steve Carlston's non-compete expires, and sure enough, last month, Fox hires him to run KTTV KCOP across town. So yeah, if you're if you're not if you're if you're on air and you're not your show isn't on three or four different stations, you're not succeeding. And if you're a market manager and you don't have two or three markets to oversee, then then you're an expense. You know. Yeah, you're you're gonna you're gonna be out of a job here pretty, <laughs> exactly. pretty quickly. It's it's crazy out there. So you know, it is interesting to see how these trends are are catching on and now everybody's doing it. You know, if that's what Odyssey's doing, maybe we should be doing it. So we're we're keeping an eye on it and we're gonna see how many people get to have multiple markets. You know, Keith, uh, selling television time locally used to be a, a breeze. You know, it just was amazing, the demand for advertising, local advertising on television stations. station had a unique audience and programming. You were ABC, you were NBC, you had news. And then came OTT. And this is with OTT, with over-the-top, advertisers can reach the same audience with targeted video, with streaming, including CTV. And, of course, at the same time, the TV audiences for linear television has declined and declined and declined. You know, we talked about NBC leading prime with a 1-1 rating, a 1-1 rating a couple of weeks ago. So, <laughs> yeah. so now the TV reps are selling their very locally diminished linear television, news, and OTT. And they all have their own OTT packages. Sinclair has one. Uh, Premium is uh, Tegna's. Everybody's got their, their own OTT kind of a program. But the problem is margins. 
You know, the margin in television has always been so great because once you covered your power and payroll, everything else was gravy. There was yep. there was no incremental increase in cost. But with OTT, you're buying inventory. So there's always a cost correlated to buying each of those spots that you buy programmatically. And so you have to add the OTT margins to the net price. Mm-hmm. And so now you end up with a situation where your cost per point goes up. The market looks at it and says, I don't know if I want to pay that much. And we've got other publishers who, you know, or other people selling OTT. I can buy the same audience from somebody else. So my question, and I'm going to do a little poking around on this, is is it really going to have an impact on net margins for television stations? What do you think? Without question. Uh, without question. I think it, and it's about effort. So how much time and effort do you put into repping OTT inventory versus selling your own, you know, late news, you know, your, your Seahawk game on Sunday, other program, you know, the uh, maskless, the, what it's, the voice, you know, all of your, uh, your, your, your big shows. Uh, it's a, it's diminishing not only in terms of margins, but it's also diminishing in terms of time spent selling. So what are you supposed to do here? Well, yeah, but, and, but but don't forget the other half of that. The other half of that is those audiences have declined so much that buyers can't get their points with local. You know, local Prime's right. got has got a minute of, of inventory every hour. You know, there's just there's just nothing there. They got to bulk up with news, and they got to bulk up with prime time, or with OTT in order to get the point delivery that they need in the market. Or that's my that's my observation at this. And point. And so to so. get that point delivery, but at a fifty percent margin instead of a ninety percent, or at a yeah, or you're, you're, you've got to buy that inventory and you're only getting half the revenue that you normally would get from a regular TV spot, puts these guys in a big financial bind. Yeah. And so, so what you'll see is, is that you'll see more television managers overseeing more markets. You'll see, <laughs> we've talked about that cost thing. You're going to see these big groups develop their own content for their own services. You're also seeing Sinclair try to sell their their regional sports net, which we talked about earlier. That hasn't happened yet, but they want to get that boat anchor gone. They're in a difficult spot because everybody wants video. Got to have video. And now you've got Netflix selling spots. Well, Microsoft for Netflix is selling spots. Uh, everybody's everybody wants a seat at this uh, CTV, OTV, SVOD, AVOD marketplace. FAST, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's- all that shit. And so, uh, because that's what the that's what the clients are looking for. That's what the clients are wanting, and and I think where it really is going to hit the, uh, the the television stations is when the local clients start demanding it, when the local car dealer groups or the car dealers or the furniture guys. This is really going to crush, and OTT is going to crush cable and all these local cable reps that are out selling their zones. You know, so if you only want to buy, you can buy geographically cable. Well. I can already do that on OTT, and I don't even need a rep to deal with it. I can do it programmatically. So see you later. You know, I'm done. Thanks for coming. Well, we'll keep an eye on this, too, because it's a fascinating shift in the way television is sold and the impact it has on local stations. We could could go on about this for some time because it's I've got another idea. Yeah, go. Let's talk to Ed Steenman. I bet Ed is deep into OTT, and I bet he can help us figure this out. Absolutely. We'll we'll dig that up and drag his ass back in here. <laughs> it's time. <laughs> All right, we got to run, Keith. We'll be back on Tuesday. We'll talk a little bit about some more Q3 results as they roll in for the publicly traded broadcasters. We drop a new show each Tuesday and Friday, as you know. We are on all the podcasting platforms. Video is under the Media Insultant Showcase on Vimeo. 
We're a production of InTown Media, and we would welcome any comments, Jackson at InTown Media, or just ping us on our LinkedIn connection when we post this, because we love your, your comment and your feedback. Keith, we got to run. I'll see you next week, buddy. Have a great weekend. You too, man. Enjoyed it. Take care. See you next week. <laughs>